Smart for Life is a renowned health and wellness company specializing in delicious and nutritionally balanced snacks. Smart for Life's mission is to provide convenient options for health-conscious individuals. Their gourmet protein bars are a testament to the commitment to using high-quality ingredients and cutting-edge research to develop a nutritious and flavorful snack. It is a proven track record of helping people lead healthier lives through their innovative product line, backed by the expertise of their team of nutritionists and food scientists. Whether you're following a specific diet plan or simply seeking a guilt-free treat, Smart for Life Gourmet Protein Bars cater to a wide range of dietary preferences, including vegan and vegetarian options, making them inclusive for a diverse range of consumers. Whether you're a fitness enthusiast, a busy professional, or a health-conscious individual, these bars fit seamlessly into your lifestyle, providing a convenient and nutritious snack solution. Smart for Life understands the importance of staying active and fit, which is why their gourmet protein bars are formulated to complement and enhance an active lifestyle. Whether you're in engaging in intense workouts or just want a nourishing snack to keep you going through the day, these bars provide the necessary fuel for your active pursuits. Visit smartforlife.com and use promo code EMTL20 to receive 20% off your next order. That's EMTL20. Let me tell you how I'm getting my feet summer ready. Soft, sexy, and beautiful. I am using Baby Foot, the original foot peel. It's the number one selling foot peel in America with nearly 30 million sold worldwide. They offer a selection of DIY at-home treatment products that are quick and easy to use. And the foot peel is a professional grade product at a price that makes it affordable to a wide range of consumer. It has won many beauty awards over the years and the peels are made with 16 natural ingredients. The gentle process leaves skin undamaged while removing this dead skin to reveal the fresh, healthy layer beneath like a baby's foot. Baby foot qualifies as a clean product. They are also vegan, gluten-free, and cruelty-free. For my listeners, go to www.babyfoot.com and use promo code EMOTIONAL20 for an exclusive 20% discount. That's E-M-O-T-I-O-N-A-L-2-0. Welcome to Emotional Support. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torrezani. Okay, Dr. Tracy Dennis Tawari. I hope I said that correctly. Perfectly. <laughs> awesome. I'm already doing amazing with the doctor yeah, this morning. Yeah, you crushed it. Yes, I crushed <laughs> it. Um, wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on Emotional Support right now, like, and just being here, being present. Um, but I'm just, I'm so honored. And I was reading and doing so much research on you, which is something that I don't really do with guests. I like it to be very fresh and open and I don't have um, pre-questions or a pre-interview or anything like that because I find that the best conversations that you can have are very natural conversations and that's usually when people are the most open and honest when it's not so scripted. But I just went on dig dot, like I started diving very, very, very deep and I was just so excited about what 
your specialty is. And I understand now why NAMI connected us together and I can't wait to get into it. So let's get into it. You're an anxiety researcher and anxiety is your specialty. You are in the right audience and everyone who's listening right now just either like pulled over in their car or perked up. Please (laughs) explain what this means because this is so, so, so awesome. Thank you. And it's such a pleasure to be with you uh, and to talk with you. And I love open, I mean, oh, you know, I did a deep dive. Great. Yes. <laughs> I hope you didn't get too like, oh, no. too much stuff. No, but, no, no. <laughs> but usually I'm but like, I'm really oh, they're ex- a doctor. Cool. Bring them on. And then let's find <laughs> yeah. out what it means. But when I, when I read the anxiety researcher, I was like, oh my gosh. And then the book, and we'll get into the, your book. It's so exciting. Anyways, yeah, but, so please. But having said that, just, you know, I'm so excited to have just an open conversation because I think you know, one of the key things, you know, I've been an, an anxiety researcher and a, a psychologist for a long time. Right. 20 years plus. Wow. And and I think what I've started to realize is that we have to start having different conversations about anxiety. Sure. So I'm really excited to have that conversation with you. And, and really the reason that I wrote this book, the reason that I've been doing the work that I've been doing is because we all know that anxiety is the crisis that so many of us are experiencing today. Yes it perfectly describes so much that's hard and challenging and wonderful about our modern lives. Sure. Because anxiety is all about uncertainty. Yes. Anxiety is the feeling we get when we're looking at this uncertain future. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how our lives are changing, what our job's going to be like, if AI is going to take over, if, you know, and things are moving so quickly that all of that uncertainty is priming this collective experience of anxiety in us. But here's, here's the problem. Almost all the treatments, all the conversations that you hear about anxiety are about, well, how do we get rid of it as soon as possible? Right. How do we make it go away? Right. And the problem with that, it's not that we don't want to do that, because of course, anxiety feels bad. We of don't course. want it to be around. But if all we're trying to do is get rid of it, we're going to be shooting ourselves in the foot. We are yes. literally going to create the conditions for anxiety to grow stronger and for us to grow weaker. And so that's really my mission. You know, the movement I want to start is about having an opportunity to talk and think differently about anxiety in our own lives and on a collective level. You know, it's so interesting that you say that it's it's something that we shouldn't just shut down and and get rid of and and cure and then that's the end all be all because Obviously, COVID has affected everyone and created everyone this new... People who were not anxious and didn't know what that feeling was or didn't know what a panic attack were, was <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. they surely found that out really fast. Um, yeah, I had a 100%. lot of friends. And I, I, act, I say this a lot on the podcast that I was very happy. I live with bipolar one disorder and I was happy that I had experience mental health issues that I had experienced panic attacks, anxiety attacks, because when COVID came along, yes, don't get me wrong. It was stressful, but I had tools and I had people and resources that I could reach out to. I could do my meditation. I could do my breathing exercises. I could talk to my specialists and doctors. Um, and a lot of people didn't have that, right? It was all brand new for them. So that's, uh, I love that we're bringing up this subject because it's something that is still so prevalent in our society right now. And, you know, when people started to feel that, that, icky feeling inside and they had all those those nerves and the upset stomach and the butterflies they're like get rid of it get rid of it but on the other side of this all 
Before COVID, I, as an actress, I would go into auditions all the time and I would get like the, you know, um, the, like the nervous little bug, right? Right before you would go in. And I would say that was my like anxiousness of like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm shaking before my audition. Even though I've been doing it my entire life, it was something, my anxious nerves, right? It was just something that happened. But I almost used it as a superpower for me when I felt the most anxious, it meant I cared the most about the show or the role or whatever it was. And I used those nerves and I put it into my work and I performed in front of an audience. And that's when I did my best work. I have a very hard time doing things on self tape because for me, the, 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 you know, I don't know what it is. The, it's just not there, right? It's, it's, you can do it a million times. You can go over it. It's not, the toughness that you have when you're in front of a lot of people and you're like, oh my God, oh shit, that oh shit moment, you know? Um, And we we need that challenge. And we do. We need that to be at our best. We do. And I have to say, I love being in person with auditions because of the anxiety, because of the nerves, because it gets that feeling. Now, I also have the anxiety and nerves when I'm flying as a fearful flyer and I'm crying and thinking the plane's going down. So there's there's two anxieties that I deal with on a daily basis where I'm like, mm, maybe not this one. But it's something that affects every single person, whether you have a mental illness, whether you deal with mental health or not, anxiety is there. Stress is there from baby on. I'm also a new mom and I'm seeing this with my baby where she's getting anxious, leaving the house now of meeting new people and being like, oh my gosh. And coming to me and, you know, grabbing my legs and being like, oh no, mommy, no, 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 no. Like I'm not ready for this yet. So what are some tips and tools that you would give to those who are new to feeling anxious or, you know, or maybe not even new to feeling anxious, someone like me who feels this all the time, who doesn't want to just get rid of it, but wants to kind of embrace the anxiety and make it a superpower. I think that the first thing we need to do is to shift our mindset. Mm -hmm. Because as you're talking about, there are a lot of tools out there. Now you have really mastered a lot of them and are using a lot of these tools. And I feel like a lot of us know about these tools. So why, and, and, and by the way, if we are struggling even more and we're, you know, we're seeking therapeutic support or other kinds of support there, those are wonderful interventions. Mm. Why isn't all this working? Right. Why are we still, so I, you know, looking at the research over the past 20 years, we know a lot more about anxiety disorders and anxiety than we ever did before. Mm. We have better treatments. For people who can benefit, we have better medications, Mm -hmm. we have better wellness practices, we have science-based wellness. So, but anxiety disorders have been on the rise. Mm. And so the big, you know, the big, one of the big tips that I have is that before we start doing all those wonderful things that we can access in, you know, either it's social media or the wellness space or therapist, we need to shift our relationship to anxiety. Mm. And that relationships need to, that relationship needs to acknowledge a lot of what you just said, which is that. Anxiety is inevitable, mm-hmm. and, right? It's literally, there's no yeah. life without anxiety yeah. because anxiety is not the same as an anxiety disorder. No, it's this emotion no. that we have. And when you were describing auditions and you said, you know, I know anxiety is going to be there because I care. What I also heard you say was that you were excited, mm-hmm. like the language that you put yeah, I was. <laughs> and, yeah. and you were challenged <laughs> Yeah, and you need that challenge because nothing 
amazing ever happens in the comfort zone. No. So you are also aware, right? <laughs> it's that, that's very that true. That nothing happens in the comfort nothing zone. Nothing amazing happens in the comfort zone. So you, by experiencing this friction and framing it as this, like you would probably be worried if you went into an audition and had no butterflies in your stomach. Oh, 100%. Like you'd be like, I don't want this part. I don't want this part. A hundred percent. This Yes. Right. I would be like, so this you're is listening, bizarre. You're tuning in. Yeah. So you're tuning into those feelings. And I can see that you've already reframed those feelings as part of your superpower. Right. And so what I think we all need to do is to have this shift before we can really benefit from therapy, from breathing, from body work, from right. whatever it might be that we're seeking out. And that's because our mindset right now about anxiety is that it's not only is that we need to get rid of it, it's a disease and it's an enemy. Mm. And what do you do with an enemy or a disease? You destroy it and you eradicate it. You kill it. Yeah, exactly. You kill it. <laughs> and this is a recipe. This killing it, this rejection of what it's actually is a normal human emotion, it's not good. And it is the recipe for making anxiety spiral out of control. Wow. Because what you suppress comes back stronger. We all know that, whatever yeah. you push down. I'm not telling anyone yeah. anything new. But the other thing is it's an opportunity cost mm. because when we just try to destroy this experience, we never can lean into it right. and learn about, well, what is this emotion telling me? Or is it, how is anxiety maybe different from an anxiety disorder? What are the safe ways I can be anxious and then not safe ways? You don't get to learn that right. if you just right. eradicate it from the get-go, if you say all anxiety is an enemy. right? So what I've been trying to kind of advocate for and convince people is to just to consider that anxiety is a healthy part of being human most of the time. And we can start to make it our ally with this framework that I talk about. That's a way of shifting this mindset right? so right. that it be, goes from being an enemy to an ally. And the, and the framework is just three steps that you need to take every time you experience anxiety. The first is listen. Okay. The second is leverage. And the third is let go. And <sighs> I can talk about each of those, but Every single well practice that you have or what a therapist will teach you or can fit into those three bins. Right. And so we have a lot of the tools. We just need to do them in the right order and remember that anxiety isn't the enemy. Oh, I love that. So when you say these three steps, so for instance, listen, you're saying almost yeah. like listen to when you feel anxious kind. Is that when you would say that, right? Like listen and identify like we have to it. lean into, yeah, instead of say, oh, I'm anxious, let me go have a cocktail or let me go right. binge watch Netflix. And I'm not saying don't ever do those things, but I'm saying of course. Right. If, in, if in those few moments of I'm feeling anxious, like I'm about to give an interview right. or I'm about to do this thing, if we take that breath and create a space mm -hmm. between having the emotion and reacting to it, mm -hmm. we can start to say, huh, all right, it's 4 a.m., I'm I'm waking up with these worries in my brain. Right. Now, do I just get rid of them or do I actually take a moment to listen and tune into what these worries are telling me? A lot of the time we'll gain some real wisdom and knowledge. So right. I woke up just the other day, 4 a.m. I was worrying about my kids. Mm. Now I have a 14 year old and an yeah. 11 year old. So, so you know, I understand a lot of going why on. you're worrying. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you are a mom too, yeah. right? So you're waking up and it could just be general worry, but I actually took a moment to tune into, well, what is coming to my mind? Hmm. What is it that I'm feeling? And I started to realize that there were a few spots where I think I was doing something that it wasn't bad parenting. I don't really, except for extremes, I don't really believe in bad yeah. parenting. I believe in gaining skills to actually, you know, support and provide opportunities for our kids that right. they need. And I was right. sort of shutting down one of my kids in a way that it's like, that's actually not what they need right huh. now. 
that's not good. And, and it's because I sat with that feeling. I leaned into mm-hmm. it and I allowed myself the difficult knowledge that I was messing up something about Right, right. But by but once you listen to that information, that's when you can do something with anxiety. And that's when if you we can grow with it, it, right? And we can grow. There's nothing we can do. So so just having this stance of openness, of curiosity, huh? Mm. Why am I up at 4 a.m.? Instead of dread, like I'm broken, I'm dysfunctional. Yeah. There's something wrong with me. Right. Oh, right. I should, you know, I feel like, you know, a lot of uh, wellness out there is like enlightenment porn. It's like everyone's doing so amazing, <laughs> you know, and it's like they're so self-realized and I'm a screw up at 4 a.m. And that's not helpful. Yes. No, I, 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 trust me. And I interview a lot of people who are in that enlightenment and I'm like, how are you so enlightened? Like I am trying so hard. I interview so many different types of people. I know every tip and trick and tool and I'm learning every single day and I feel like a failure, like how, um, so yes, I understand that feeling. We have to stop. We have to stop it. And what is something that you would recommend since you are a mom and I'll jump in on this, like, so my, my child currently is, is one in 14 months, so one and a half, basically, we'll say. Wow, you're um, in it. <laughs> I'm in it. I'm in it. Um, and she's yeah. literally an angel baby, so I got very, very, very lucky. Um, and she's a curious creature um, and just fabulous. So I ve- I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed, very aware of that. But what is something that you would say that I could maybe do to teach her about anxiety at a young age? Because obviously she's not going to know what anxiety is or understand that that feeling is connected, but I want to be able to teach her that feeling and that connection and maybe something that she could do that would be more kid friendly that would, would help out opposed to, you know, I mean, yeah, I guess she could still listen and I can teach that, you know, you listen to that feeling, but I don't know. Is there anything in particular that you've learned and maybe in be by you being a mom or by, you know, your research? I think, and you really alluded to it just now, I think the biggest thing we can do as a parent at any age is to adjust our own stance when our kids have those emotions, right? And be ready to create a space and allow them to feel feelings. Hmm. Now, that's going to change what that means across development. So right now you have a little one. Yes. And they, you know, and you can think of emotion regulation, right? This ability to manage our emotions is something that actually starts really external. Mm. So kids really rely on caregivers to be that sort of scaffolding Mm. that supports their early attempts to experience emotions, figure out what to do with them. And so at your, at your daughter, it's a daughter, you said, yes, yes, yes. Yes. You're at your daughter's age. Um, there's going to be a lot of you, like, you know, comfort them, let them feel the feeling. Don't make it seem like, oh my gosh, you're sad, you're angry, you're anxious, you're scared. Let's, you know, but to have a calm, open, oh, that, you know, maybe say I'm imagining uh, just out of the top, oh, you know, a dog barks at your daughter and she gets really terrified and she's crying, crying, crying. The first thing is if you're listening to that emotion, you're just being there with her. Right. And it's just a calm demeanor. You're sitting with it. You're being calm. Right. You're not panicking. Mm -mm. So you're creating this space in which emotions aren't dangerous. Mm. Because yes, a barking dog might be dangerous. And you can talk about that after about how, oh, if you see a dog, make sure you always ask before you approach or, you know, you can teach. Right. But the very first response to anxiety is, this is, of course, you're going to be scared of that dog. Right. It's okay. Right. Right. These are he- these are normal feelings. And indeed, as a parent, you'll already know this. 
kids are naturally going to experience anxiety as they age. So we expect kids to have stranger danger, healthy development. We expect them to be afraid of the dark. We expect and want them to have this, these breaks that they can Mm. put on Mm -hmm. when they relate to the world, because that's how they start to figure out what's safe and what's not. Mm -hmm. What we have to do with each of our kids is understand how much accelerator they have and how much break they have, because that's temperament. They're born with some tendencies. Sure, sure. And we, as, as we try to figure out how to fit that, if you have a very fearful child who's very reactive or very, you're going to do more of the calming. You're going to help them develop the break. Right. Whereas if you have that kid who's going to run towards that barking, snarling dog, (laughs) you know, you know, you know, so, so, you know, you're going to, you're going to help them understand that this is an accelerator that we need to pull back on. Right. And, and, you know, the shy kid, we help them approach more, more, more thoughtfully, but Mm. it's all about that balance, Mm -hmm. tuning into where, what your child's bringing to the table. Right. And thinking of that, of, of, of not doing it for them but allow creating a space where they can slowly build those skills. Mm. Oh, I love that. Oh, I absolutely love that. How did you get into wanting to be an anxiety researcher? Well, you know, I started, so I started life as um, a musician, actually. I was a classical musician. Oh my gosh, Tracy. Wow. (laughs) What did you play? I was an oboe. The oboe. Oh my gosh. How fun. Which is very obscure. Like some of your listeners may not know what that instrument is, and I would not hold it against them. Yes, Google, Google, Google. Yes. Google it. But it's a woodwind instrument. And anyway, I had, from the time I was nine, I played oboe, I went to conservatory. And in my junior year, um, I was at a conservatory where you could also take academic classes as part of the larger university. Mm -hmm. And in junior year, I've been taking a lot of psychology classes, and I had sort of fallen in love with child development, Mm. actually. And I had been volunteering at a place that did some of the earliest research on child maltreatment from a very scientific perspective. Wow. And and my first, and it was very hard research, but really important. Right. And my first job was to go into the basement of Child Protective Services wow. and pull the records of the kids in our program. Wow. And I had to code the different types of abuse they'd suffered. And even to this day, I get like this oh, sick feeling in my stomach. It was yeah. absolutely it's horrendous. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's horrendous. And I would go, I would go back with all this knowledge and then see these kids the next day or the next week and also observe that they were unbelievably beautiful, bright, wonderful right. children, despite what had happened to all them. of these horrible yeah. things that had happened to them. And I just had to feel like, how is that possible? Mm-hmm. How is this resilience, this strength, how does it happen and how can we support it? And sure. I just sort of fell in love with these kids and wow. I fell in love with this idea of resilience. And so I, you know, fast forward, I decided to pursue psychology. I got my degree yes, and I decided to go into research because I really wanted to understand how we could, we could develop better treatments. Mm. Uh, for for um, all sorts of uh, psychological problems, but anxiety is the most common mental health crisis today, mm. and it's one that affects a lot of kids. Yes, um, and the earlier that kids are diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, the more risk it creates across the lifespan sure. with other mental health and, and physical health problems as well. So it just was. I just kind of got centered on anxiety. Plus, I got really interested in 
digital therapeutics, how we could use emerging technology right. to Which give was... people better access and more effective and destigmatizing kinds of treatments. And so I just sort of couldn't escape anxiety. I, as a teenager, I struggled with uh, depression and I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder wow. when I was a kid. And anxiety was sort of in the mix. Right. But it wasn't my main struggle. It was even sprinkled though I struggled in. with it. Yeah, that's it was mine. sprinkled in. It was sprinkled in. And so, in. <laughs> so in some ways, I feel like you know I have enough perspective, but 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 also a little bit of distance. So as someone who understands anxiety from the first person, but also mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I if I were if I were writing a book about depression, it'd be much harder for me. If you know what I mean. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. I, I completely get what you mean. You Absolutely. Know, you know. But that's how I. But that's how I got really passionate about it, and I realized too that as an emotion scientist as well, that we talk about these negative emotions in black or white terms. Mm -hmm. And we forget that we actually need what in education they call productive struggle, Mm -hmm. that we need, whether we're learning something or learning to feel a feeling, we need to actually be challenged by it Mm -hmm. to gain the skills to work through it or to problem solve or to do whatever. And so I sort of am on a crusade to help us understand that negative emotions are good for us. That actually the best thing we can do for our kids is help them feel bad yes. so they can learn to feel good in life. There's no other way. Yes. I talk about that all the time. And I and I talked about it a lot when I was pregnant because I was feeling all the emotions. Um, I had been off my medication, my bipolar medicine, um, right before I had gotten pregnant. So I was feeling all my feels. And I always say that, feel your feels. And I always said that I wanted my daughter to be able to feel what it feels like to be sad, feel what it feels like to be angry, feel what it feels like to be happy. Because I feel like if you don't feel all your feelings, how can you ever enjoy the really happy moments? How can you enjoy, um, you know, when you're feeling ecstatic inside or you're have that hyper energy, you know, you want to be able to identify things. So it's not just all one thing. Otherwise it's just a a life of numbness. And uh, I, I certainly didn't want that. And I certainly don't want that for her. And I know my husband doesn't want that for her. Um, and it's something that we have been super hyper aware of because obviously with me living with a mental illness, something that's genetic, you know, I almost find myself over, is, is that something, is that a sign of bipolar? Is that a sign? Of, you know, I'm, I'm overly watching. So I have to ca- be very cautious and be like, okay, I have to let her be her own individual. I She probably doesn't. So I have to like calm down, you know. Um, but I, I think that that's so important. And I think that a lot of parents are like, don't feel this, don't do this, don't do this. And I've seen that um, through videos that I've been watching on, on expressing emotions, people aren't wanting you to feel all the feels. Um, and I don't quite understand. I, I don't we're understand scared. the I reason that. I think we're that. scared. You know, we're scared. Yeah, we I think so. Suffer, you know? Yeah. And, and we feel emotions are, are dangerous. And that's why I say right. mindset is so important. Because if we can convince ourselves that unless we let our kids jump in and figure out shit, we right. have to honor them enough to know that they can do it sure, and sure. that they can live, you know, and they can live through these difficult experiences as long as we're there and we have their back. Sure. Yes. You know? And so, you know, and that's, I think, so crucial for every parent. And it's so hard. I have failed a million times at that myself because all we want to, is for our kids to be okay. 
Of course. But we have to remind ourselves they need those opportunities or we're denying them something crucial. Of course. And I think it's really hard too. I'm in the process of like interviewing preschools, even though she's only one and a half. It's it's absurd. (laughs) No, you got to get on it. It's absurd (laughs) because trust me, I'm like, I'm like, she's not leaving my side till she's five, but whatever. That's besides the point. That's my own, my own issue. Um, But I've been going to these places and, you know, they all, I I talk about emotions and stuff like that. And I'm like, "Eh, so many places. I'm like, I see how you're handling these kids and I don't want that. And it's so hard, right? Because it's like, you don't want to have to, you don't want to tell the preschool like, oh, you're doing that wrong or something, you know, but it's like, <laughs> no, that's I'm, not going to, pre- that's, that's not, not great for admission. That's not great. But, but <laughs> for me, I'm like, you know, I want her to feel everything and I want her to experience mm-hmm. it and then understand why are you sad? Why are you crying? This is why. And that's okay. And that's an appropriate reaction. You know, I, I had a very, like I said, a very tough pregnancy and I was very emotional and all the hormones and then a very tough first like couple months of, of, I didn't suffer postpartum depression. I had postpartum anxiety, which I was now very aware of. Um, which I wasn't at the moment, but I was crying all the time and I couldn't stop. And I just remember I had taken a hypnobirthing class and I had a hypnobirthing teacher who was teaching me, hey, talk to your baby in the belly and be like, mom is crying right now. It has nothing to do with you. I'm feeling X, Y, and Z. This is what is causing this. There's a cause and effect to it, right? Um, And so I would say that to my daughter. My daughter's name is Lady. So I would say to Lady all the time, like, oh my gosh, you know, mom is crying right now because she's in a lot of pain because X, Y, and Z happened, you know? So it it was, it was a, um, it it was, it was tricky, right? Like to be able to speak that out loud. I think that we have a hard time saying and explaining things to kids. Like, it's as simple as like teaching them like what the color red is. And like when you see a stop sign, that means to stop. You always have to keep talking over and over and over and, and explain every single detail. And it's the same thing with your emotions. I'm not preaching that to other parents that that's what you have to do. But like that has certainly helped me in my communication with my daughter on opening up and understanding what feelings are, understanding what emotions are and regu- and like regulating. Cause you see the babies, right? They go through the stage where they, you know, she'll like hit my face and I'm like, for no reason. Right. And I, you can't just keep saying over and over, Oh, just be gentle, be gentle. But why do you have to be gentle? Because it's not good to hit somebody. And that's not the time or a place that you should be doing it. You know, we show love, we show like kindness and caring, you know, and it's exhausting, you know, to always explain everything, but you have to, you know, you have to. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing too, different kids are going to have different styles. So some kids are going to be super verbal out of the box. Yes. Especially if they have verbal mamas like me. And I think you, you know, we love to talk, right? Yes. Other kids are going to not have the words and and that could differ right. depending on just who they are as people. Boys and girls might be different. Sure. You know, people who are not, you know, whatever sure. the the situation. And so we have other tools when we go start with the principle, I'm going to be here and create space for this feeling. Right. So maybe we say, oh, if you're feeling we're like music, what would it sound like? Or dance me in a dance. It's about your feeling. And little by I little, love that. you know, kids are going to get work because words do immediately help us make sense. Oh, but again, yes. not every kid is going to be the right age for that no. or be able to get there even when they're older. So there's so many ways that we can just sit with these feelings and then support kids 
in problem solving as much as they can. It's like mm -hmm. this sort of zone of proximal development. It's like you, we bring them and support them just up to the point where they can almost do it, right. Right. <laughs> you know, right. and we just keep on nudging, keep on nudging and creating that. So, so again, it takes us being tuned in parents and oh, absolutely. You know, being, understanding that each human being is needs a, a slightly different fit yes. from us as a parent. And that's why I don't think there's only one good type of parenting. Oh, absolutely. Now you have an app that you've started in a, in a game, right? It's a game and it's about regulating yes. anxiety. Correct. Yes. I'm like, I'm like, did I say that right? I'm like, oh my God. No. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, was like, oh, God, is that <laughs> I like regulating better than any, you know, these other words like fixing or healing, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like, how do we live with anxiety? It's, and it's a, it's a game. It's so my company is called arcade therapeutics Which is so because cool. we are, you know, thanks. We, I mean, we are so passionate about changing how people think about and access mental yes. health and we're science first. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff out there that you're like, do people know that that will, there's actual science behind that? Will that help people? Well, we really test everything we do. Sure. Randomized clinical trials, tons of data and research. Right. And what we're doing are creating games where we embed these cognitive training techniques that are meant to be on computers. They're literally digital native. Yes. And we embed them in games. Mm. And people, and we have our first, um, and the one that we're really um, testing out now is is for social anxieties. Okay. Um, and we and what, have what social of, anxieties would you say? Like, what 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 would that mean for people who maybe don't know what that means? Right. So social anxiety. So if you think about what social anxiety disorder disorder is, right. And we can be anywhere on that spectrum. Mm -hmm. A social anxiety is when we fear public humiliation, embarrassment. Mm. We don't want to put ourselves in social situations where we could come up short right. or feel overwhelming anxiety that we don't know what to do with. And as a result, we start avoiding those situations. Mm. So like and not going to a party or not going out to a work function because you're afraid. Or missing deadlines at work because you're so concerned about right. not co coming up short or right. if you're a right. student not doing, you know, you know, right. So, and it's, and, and we can all, we're all on that spectrum somewhere. Mm. And some of us are low on the spectrum, but we're on it. It becomes an, a disorder, social anxiety disorder, when all those ways that we're avoiding social situations mm. disrupt our ability to live life. Right, right. So, right. So if you lose your job because you're you're missing all your deadlines, if you cut off from all your friends and you don't have that social support, if you know, all of those things sure, sure. Are, are 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 what make it a disorder. But but so we're focusing on on this technique that uh, that actually targets the unconscious. Oh, so wow. CBT, which is a great treatment approach. Cognitive behavioral, cognitive behavioral therapy, therapy is amazing. It's number one, really, for a lot of uh, different kinds of anxiety, depression, all sorts of um, mental health challenges. Um, CBT targets these kind of conscious, deliberative ways of thinking, like I have catastrophic thinking or I have ir these irrational thoughts. And, and the therapist, you know, helps you kind of tease that apart on a mm -hmm. conscious level. Mm -hmm. And when you change your thinking and change your behaviors, it starts to help anxiety. Mm -hmm. We, with our technique, are really targeting unconscious biases, mm -hmm. these habits we have of looking at the world. So the one that we're trying to reduce or um, kind of um, make more flexible is this thing called the threat bias. Okay. So if you're anxious and you struggle with anxiety, you know that you're in a situation and something negative happens or you get stuck on, like you're giving a public speech, for example, and there's 100 people in the audience. There's this one guy in the back falling asleep. Everyone else is smiling, yes. right? But you focus if you on have him. a threat bias, 
like a spotlight. And it's unconscious. Yeah. We just do it. It's a habit I of know. paying attention to the world. And so what our games, uh, and, and the first one we have, again, targeting social anxiety disorder, it's called Star Starter. It's kind of space theme, is it helps rewire that it helps rewire your threat detection system and reduce that kind of rigid spotlight on negativity right. and become more flexible. So you can notice that there are 99 people smiling at you in the audience wow. and not just that one guy. Wow. So, so it's really complementary to these other approaches because yeah. no one's really targeting the unconscious in these kinds of ways. It's very science-backed. Sure, sure, sure. I, I I have so many questions and yet I'm just like wanting to play the game. Can anyone play the game as well if you may not even think that you, like there's part, it's interesting because I would not consider myself a socially anxious or someone with social anxiety by any means. I'm a butterfly, like flying around, like talking to everyone, Gemini, outgoing personality. But I do find myself in situations where if I go out with my husband and his friends and stuff like that, I feel very insecure if I can't control the room, if I don't know the narrative and I can't be like, oh, I'm in charge or I feel much younger and like, or maybe not as accomplished because I didn't go to X, Y, and Z university, like whatever it may be. So I find myself in certain situations where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm here. Or I'll make like an awkward joke to try to break the silence. And if they don't think it's funny, then I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) let me out of here. Like I'm all about my dirty jokes. And if they don't like them, then it's like a problem. So is this something that like I could, I could play and could possibly help me out? Or is it specifically for people who have severe social, social anxiety disorder? So the answer is it's for everyone on the spectrum. And at the same time, we are we're we're going through a process actually with the FDA. Wow. Because the FDA actually approves digital therapeutics mu- much like they approve. I didn't know that. Wow. So there's a version of there's so part of um so one uh one of these apps that we're creating, the the one I mentioned, is actually we're we're looking at social anxiety disorder as its target. But we have another it's it's mostly we're going to be giving it to people through healthcare providers okay. and other kinds of means. Um, But that one's really targeting um, social anxiety more broadly, as well as other types of anxiety, because the same threat bias actually is this linchpin in all sorts of ways we feel anxious. Because when you're, when you're, when you're having a trouble, when you're having challenges with anxiety, you're going through the world with this kind of rigid filter, right? Of like overemphasizing the negative and underemphasizing the positive. And so we're not trying to make anxiety go away or fix like the ability to notice negative stuff. We just are helping people be more flexible because mm. that's really what mental health is. Mental right. health isn't the absence of negative feelings and it's not perfect happiness. No. It's the ability to navigate the inevitable negative right. feelings that you're going to have and to be flexible. Well, so maybe this will really help me with my flying for. because it's because for me, I'm so anxious. I'm such an anxious Oh, yeah, flyer. you can do it right like, before. Well, you know, yeah. No, I'll send you a link. We're still, as I said, <laughs> we're still kind of going through how to get people to access it because yeah, we are very, sure. very science, very healthcare, you know, kind yes, of, of course. Uh, focused. But um, we're very excited to start making this much more widely available. And are you going to be making more games that are maybe targeted to specific mental, you know, illnesses, Um, you know? Maybe bipolar? I don't know. Just a thought? Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well um, we do I'm have here. the other poll. <laughs> Thank you. We do have the other poll, so to speak, because we do have a major study underway of our depression oh, wow. product. 
So, um, and this is where now the bias is a little different. What happens in depression is we ruminate, right? We ruminate on loss and sadness and we get stuck on that part of it rather than the sort of potential threat or Mm -hmm. potential negativity, which is what anxiety is about. Mm -hmm. So anxiety is almost more in the future, which is why Mm -hmm. I call my book Future Tense. (laughs) And and depression is a little bit more in the past and present, right? right? It's like we're we're going over and over with these, we're digging these deep grooves of ruminating on these negative things. Right. So so in this, we're actually doing a collaboration um, with a, a fantastic research group down at UT Austin. And we're testing out our, we have a, a study with 600 people. Wow. And we're testing, we're testing our depression uh, game as well. Oh and, my gosh. And by the way, all of these games are brief. We don't want to, yeah. I mean, screens, listen, we ever, you know, we love our screens sure. to varying degrees. But we're on them too too much. And yes. we know that we don't want to get people more stuck on screens. So mm-hmm. all of our interventions are brief, mm-hmm. are time limited. Um, so after a month uh, of using it, you use it for about 12 minutes a day, four days a week for a month. And then you re- kind of re- gain the flexibility. Right. And then you can use it sort of as a booster shot later mm-hmm. on when you need mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. maybe immediately before something, you can use the app and it can take a, you down a notch. Yes. And, yeah. Right, right, right. Or something like that. You know, this is going to be a tough week. Let me, let me, let me get back on and kind of recalibrate myself for another week. Sure, sure. You can, you can do that. So that's, that's how we're really, um, that's how our data, you know, that's how the science suggests it's best used. Right. But we also really love that we're not getting people more stuck on screens right. and giving them the ability to get yeah, back. Yeah, of course. Of course. And can we talk about your book, Future Tense? Um, you Please. just mentioned it. <laughs> I am so excited to read it. I have not read it yet. I apologize because I uh, have not done anything but been breastfeeding, I feel like, the past um, <laughs> I've been year there. and a half. Um, so <laughs> how, when did you start writing this? What is it about? You know, let people know how, how they can get future tense. It's so cool. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you can get it anywhere um, that you would buy books. Um, definitely check out your local bo- bookstore. Um, always great to request uh, from them. So the book is called Future Tense, Why Anxiety is Good for You, Even Though It Feels Bad. Yes. So I'm leading with this sort of, you know, a little bit, I want to challenge people. And sure. people kind of love or hate that title because I think, um, you know, I started writing it a few years ago now. Okay. And I wrote it during the pandemic. Oh, wow. Actually. So I got the book deal wow. right, like literally three weeks before everything shut down. So I had the pandemic. I'm like, oh, great. So I write, I write, I'm writing my, you know, everything's crazy in the publishing industry. So my editor was like, looked at a little bit and was like, ah, that's fine. Just keep writing. It looks pretty good. And went back at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021 with six chapters. I've written like a hundred and something pages. And I essentially get the feedback. This is terrible. It's not. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God, this is not going to fly. <laughs> I would be like, that's it. Bye. That's it. Bye. Well, here's where you lean into anxiety and you yes. leverage it because they, they, you know, lean and leverage and then let go. So the leveraging part for me was that I realized, okay, I'm feeling a lot. I mean, this is like yeah. blowing my mind, but I care a lot about this. This is my mission. Like, sure. I have to figure this out. And is there anything to be and you know, because that's what the anxiety is telling me. I really care. Is there anything that I can just like take a little distance and learn? Okay, there's something that's not hitting the mark right. here. What right. do I do? What is it? Right. When you leverage anxiety, you're also like drawing on resources because mm-hmm. social connections, the resources around you, that's the best way 
to yes. use anxiety productively and do something with it. Spin it forward. It's sort of like yes and, right? Mm-hmm. Like improv. It's like you take it. Totally like You're improv. like, yes, and. and I mean, yes. for me, that's the exact way we should deal with all of our anxiety in life. So I sort of yes and it. Mm. And I found a great editor to help me write it. Um, oh. This kind of, this editor was the type where I run stuff by him. He said, listen, his name's Bill Tonelli. He's a wonderful editor. And he's like, listen, I'm moderately intelligent, which is not true. He's not moderate. But, and I know nothing about this topic. Explain it to me. So I threw out all 120 pages and wow. started with a blank page. And I started by explaining it to Bill. And we started with the table of contents. And anyway, we built, built, built. And what ended up, the, 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 the revelation, really, that I had was that in explaining it to another person, I found out and discovered things I never thought of before. Wow. I was so much clearer. He helped me figure out how to tell the story because I've always been a scientific writer. Sure. So he was like, you can't put it all in chapter one, Tracy. Let's just, you know, like yeah. like just structural, like how do you become a storyteller? Right, right. And so, you know, he was like my father confessor, my shrink, my consigliere. Mm. He was like, and just to have a partner like that, that's what, when we find partners in our anxious moments mm. and we're vulnerable enough to lean in, that's when the greatest things happen. And I think the book is as a result, probably a hundred times better than it would have been without yes. that huge anxiety right. and needing to start with a blank page right? and just like do it. So, so that, that's how I wrote it. And wow. I wrote it with a mission, as I said before, really knowing that we have so many great tools to help anxiety. Why aren't they working? Mm. Why are anxiety disorders on the rise? And I think, again, it's because we're not plugging these tools into the right mindset. Mm. It's self-defeating to treat because, because in one hand, it's cognitive behavioral therapy tells us, yeah, accept anxiety, work with it. Right. But everything up to seeing the shrink yep. is get rid of anxiety. Yep. You know, by taking this stance towards anxiety, you know, we're convincing people to fear it. It's priming us to avoid and suppress anxiety, which sure. in some ways is setting us up for even more serious problems than just normal, healthy anxiety. And it's those things that can make anxiety start to spiral into right. the territory of anxiety right. disorder. So I felt like I needed to disrupt this narrative with this book. It's really a mindset reset, yep. this whole book. That's my goal. And then, then say with these steps of listen, leverage, and let go, plug in all the wonderful things you're doing around anxiety. Just don't let go first. Yep. <laughs> let go last. Yes. First listen, leverage, use that information. Nothing awesome ever happened in the comfort zone. Use it. Yes, end it forward. And then we can, we have to actually oh. come back to the present, be flexible, rejuvenate, yeah. take care of ourselves. But we need to have that journey because sure. it is an inevitable part of being human to experience anxiety. Oh, I absolutely love that. I've I've learned so much from this episode, so I have to thank you. I can't ra- wait thank to you. read the book. I'm so excited about that. And now I really want to know, I'm going to ask you my final question that I ask everyone. Tracy, what is your emotional support? Oh, I'm so blessed, Alessandra. I have so <laughs> much wonderful emotional support. I have my family, my husband, yeah. my two kids, my little Yorkie poo, Nochi. Yeah, your baby, Nochi. <laughs> my baby. Big emotional support. I'm blessed with friends, with extended family. Um, and, you know, I feel like my... my um, collegial community, my, my, the community, mm. the people I work with, I, you know, the way that we choose our coworkers as much as yes. we can, 
Yes. Right. To be those people who, you know, you feel safe enough to make mistakes with. Yes. And like a family. Like a family. It's the exact same. And it's only in being in family and friend and workspaces where mistakes are part of what it takes to be great. Sure. And to be our best selves, those are the kind of environments that I've really felt really blessed to be in many of them. I love that. And Tracy, how can everyone find you? I have a website, Dr. Tracy PhD. Mm -hmm. Um, I am mostly on Instagram versus other um, platforms. So that's that's uh, Phd. And I have um, lots of information I share both on my website and um, on Instagram. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much. So great talking to you. (laughs) 